Hey, and thanks for tuning in. At Northgate, we're passionate about helping people become who God purposed them to be. We hope that this message encourages and blesses you today. Stay tuned after for more ways to connect. Everybody, welcome to Northgate, especially if you're new with us. It is great to have you here. My name is Jeff Gustafson. I'm one of the pastors. And today we are continuing a series of messages uh, based on Psalm 23 that we're calling Overflow. If you don't have the Northgate app, I want to encourage you maybe to check that out. There's some devotions on the app that uh, are based on Psalm 23 that might be really helpful as we go through this series. I also want to remind you of a challenge that I gave last week. If you haven't ever memorized Psalm 23, I want to encourage everybody, everybody who hears these, these messages, to try it, to work on Psalm 23, to memorize it. It's really doable. It's only six verses long, so it's really short, and it's, it's memorable. A lot of the phrases are things you've probably heard before or will recognize. So it's, it's really a, a simple psalm to memorize. I've seen like three-year-old kids do it, so everybody can do it. Give it a shot. The reason that we're looking at Psalm 23, it's, it's a lot of people's favorite psalm. Uh, it's often read at funerals. That's not the reason we're looking at it. The reason we're looking at it is that Psalm 23, it's not a psalm for the dead. It's a psalm for the living. It's a psalm for us. David, who is the author of this psalm, he's one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. And all through this psalm, this poem, it's really a song, he uses metaphors to describe what life with God is like. And I think one of our biggest needs is to have pictures of how good life with God is. Because if we're really going to follow God, if we're really going to trust him with our lives, we need to know how good he is. And David packs this psalm full of these pictures, these little images, like, the Lord is my shepherd, or like, my cup overflows. That's where we're getting the title for this message. It's not just, my cup isn't just filled up to the top, it's filled up to overflowing. That's how good life with God is. Life with God is life without lack. Life with God is life without fear. Life with God is life with hope. And today we're going to talk about life with God is life under leadership. And that's actually a really good thing. A number of years ago, my friend Jedediah invited me to go camping up in the Boundary Waters. And I should, you, should, you need to know this. I'm, I wasn't much of an outdoors person. I guess I am more now because I've been there a lot since then. But at that point, I didn't really go camping, uh, canoeing, especially out in the Boundary Waters, especially kind of way out there. It was a new thing for me. I probably, it's, it's not the kind of thing that I would have done on my own, and it's probably not the kind of thing I should have done on my own. Um, the very first night, I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you, but before we even made it out you know, into the Boundary Waters, we were just staying at the, the camp that he was directing at the time. Uh, we were all staying in a cabin, and we turned the, the, the lights were off. I, I went maybe to go use the outhouse or brush my teeth or something. I can't remember, but I came back. All the lights were off, and uh, I didn't want to, like, you know, disturb anybody, so I didn't turn any lights on, and I just tried to open up the sleeping bag bags, you know, the stuff sacks, and get my sleeping bag out and 
get into it. And as I, as I did that, I noticed that it was just really hard to get into my sleeping bag. I couldn't figure out exactly where the top was or get the zipper to work, and it just wasn't, wasn't working out. Well, the next morning when I woke up, I realized that I didn't actually have a sleeping bag. I had my mother-in-law's pink down coat that was <laughs> stuffed into a stuff sack. So, like, it was just further, further evidence that I really didn't belong out there on my own. And, of course, Jed and I helped me out, and they set me up. But, you know, when you go on something like that, if you've not had any experience, it's really good to go with a guide. It's really good to go with someone who knows what they're doing. You, you don't want to be in charge of your own life if you can't pack a sleeping bag, right? I mean, you need somebody else who's with you. I mean, there's probably other things like that. You could think about, like, if you're flying an airplane for the first time, you probably want someone who knows what they're doing right there with you. If you're a police officer going out for your first patrol, you probably want somebody with you who's had some experience. There's a lot of things where you don't want to be in control. You don't want to be in charge. It's, it's, it's a relief to have somebody else who's with you to lead you, to guide you. That's what we're going to talk about today. Life with God is life under leadership, and that's a really good thing. We want that. When we think about what life with God is like and how it's, we need to be clear that it really is life under leadership. I think that's important to understand. But it's also important to understand what that doesn't mean. When we say life under leadership, it doesn't mean that God is like this taskmaster, a harsh taskmaster, uh, wanting us to do all these things, and if we don't do them right, that somehow he's going to zap us, that he's going to get us. My sister was in town this past week, and she was telling me a story about how uh, the neighbor kid was over for dinner. He's like 11 years old, friends with my nephew, and uh, they said, hey, it's time for dinner, let's pray. And just as only an 11-year-old kid should, this, this kid, he doesn't have much church background, he doesn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't know God, he doesn't know much about Christianity at all, but so they said, let's pray, and he said, yes, let's pray, we must appease the gods. You know, that was, that was his, his take. And, you know, he, I mean, it was kind of a joking type thing, but it was also because that's like all he knew. That's what was going on. And, and so my sister and my nephew kind of had to explain to him, that's not what it's like. That's not who God is. He's not a God that just has to be appeased. It's, it's not like that. It's also, it's not like this. It's not that God is our slave, He's not some cosmic vending machine, like we just punch in our prayer request and he spits out the answers and just does exactly what we want. He's not like our genie, and we're the master and he's the slave. It doesn't work like that. Now, there's times when God, in his love and in his, hum in his humility, he does serve us. I mean, just because he's so good and he's so amazing, but it's not like we're the master and he's the slave. It's, it's much more like, like a, a, a loving father with his kids. It's much more like when I'm pushing my kids on the swing and they say, faster, higher, and I push them faster and higher, not because I have to, not because I'm their slave, but because I love it, because I love interacting with them, right? And in the same way, there's times when we do need to obey God because he's right, and it's a lot like a father with kids, and there's times when I tell my kids, hey, we need to clean up, we need to get ready for bed, this is the time to do this. It's not because I'm a, a harsh taskmaster, at least, I don't think I'm a tyrant. My kids, I think, are here, so I don't know, maybe they'll say to me. But I don't think I am, but I'm, I, I want good things for them. 
You know, because we, we don't want to live in a pigsty, and we want to get good rest, and so I'm teaching them how to live. And so there's times when it just, it's important for them to obey me. That's what life with God is like. It's life under leadership. The Bible uses different metaphors at different times. Sometimes it's a king. And actually, King David, who wrote this psalm, is sometimes one of the best examples of what a good king is like, the kind of king that everybody wants. A good leader who uh, is trusted and who loves his people. Or sometimes the Bible uses this picture of a father. We see that again and again. And here, David uses this image of a shepherd. Whichever image you use, the idea is it's like life under leadership. And it's good leadership. It's someone who cares and who protects and who's responsible. That's the, but it's not a buddy-buddy relationship. We're not even, even though God loves us, even though he cares deeply of us, even though there's deep intimacy, there's still authority, and that's actually a good thing. David says it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He, make, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And here's the verse we're going to look at today. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The picture of a shepherd leading a sheep. Uh, a week ago, we had day camp here at Northgate. It was actually up at Central Park, and one of, uh, one of the songs that they, the kids always sing at day camp is, I Just Want to Be a Sheep. It's a great song. It's great for two reasons. One is because it has the best actions ever. The kids make these little sheep ears. It's super cute. But the other reason why it's a great song is because what the kids are singing, they're singing, I want Jesus to be my leader. I want, I want somebody stronger than me to be in charge. I, I want Jesus to be the shepherd, and I just want to be a sheep. It's a good thing for them to be singing. But I know not everybody thinks like that. Uh, I know of this guy, every time his friend went to go visit him and, and talk to him about faith and Jesus, he, his kind of standard response was, I don't want to be a sheep. And I think what he meant by that, maybe a couple things, I think he meant, I don't want to have anything to do with organized religion. You know, maybe he had been burned by the church at some point in the past. I'm not sure. But I think even deeper than that, I think there was this kind of thing like, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You know, I don't want the government to tell me what to do. I don't want my family to tell me what to do. I don't want my friends to tell me what to do. I don't want a boss to tell me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I want to be in charge. I want to call the shots of my own life. I want to be the one who makes the decisions. And maybe that sounds like a brave and noble sentiment. I know there's a lot of people that we want that, but I don't think it is. I think, I think that kind of idea doesn't understand what life and what leadership is all about. I think leadership is primarily influence. When, when we lead someone, we're influencing them in a particular direction. Or if someone leads us, they're influencing us in a particular direction. Um, and everybody has somebody influencing them. Even, even kings or presidents or dictators, 
everybody is being influenced by somebody else. Even if you're a dictator, you have uh, advisors who are influencing you, or you have constituents. And there's people that if you don't allow them to influence you, if you don't uh, listen to them, you won't stay in power very long, even if you're a dictator, right? At least the head of the army or something like that. Everybody is influenced by somebody. Even if it were, even if it were good not to ever have the government tell you what to do, and I'm not sure that that's really a good thing, I don't know if it would be possible. Like, how would you, where would you go where you couldn't be influenced by the government? But imagine you did. Imagine you were able to get out from uh, the government having to tell you ever what to do. You'd still presumably have a family, <laughs> a spouse or parents or kids or somebody who was influencing you, encouraging you to do this or that. I mean, I suppose you could move away from them too. But then I suppose you'd have to have friends, right? Unless you moved away from your friends. Your friends would still influence you unless you kind of completely ditched them. But then you'd have to still have a job uh, and probably have a boss who was telling you what to do. Um, I suppose, I guess you could quit your job and just work for yourself and be your own boss and then nobody tell you what to do, except that you'd have to have customers. <laughs> and if you didn't listen to your customers, if you didn't allow them to influence you, your business is not going to go very well. Right? Do you get my point? Everybody has somebody influencing them. Everybody has somebody, even CEOs, even presidents, even dictators, everybody is, has to follow somebody. The question isn't, are you being influenced by someone? Are you having to follow someone? The question is, who is influencing you? Who are you going to follow? And contrary to what, you know, if, when people say, I, I don't want to be a sheep, contrary to that kind of thinking, it's not actually bad to follow a leader. It's, it's, it, we don't even, it's not that we want no leadership at all. What we want is good leadership. Like, think about it with, with friends. It's not that you want no friends. You want good friends. You want friends who are going to help you, who are going to influence you in the right direction. Same with family. It's not that you want no family. It's not kids. It's not that they want no parents. They want good parents. They want parents who love them and are going to take care of them and are going to lead them well. And the same is true with government. It's, it's not really that we want no government. It's that we want good government. We want government that's going to make good laws and just laws and enforce them fairly. That's what we want. And the same thing is true with our jobs. It's not that we want no boss. We, we want a good boss. And I can tell you from personal experience that life is really good when you have a good boss. Some of you uh, might not know this, but I'm an associate pastor here. I'm not the senior pastor. Steve Perkins, he's our senior pastor. He's the first chair leader. I'm a second chair leader, along with Pastor Wayne and Pastor Linnea. And I know in a lot of organizations, people want to be the number one leader. They want to be the person who calls the shots, who makes the tough decisions, who, who gets to decide everything. But what I've found is that it is an incredible place to be when you're a number two leader, when you're a, a second chair leader. I, I get to have influence. I get to be a part of what God's doing. I get to be a part of, of all kinds of things that are happening here. I get to lead in different ways, but I also don't have to be the one who wears the weight of responsibility. There, there's a way in which I get to share that, you know, but it's not the same. 
It's not the same as being the one who has to make the hard calls, the, the one who everyone looks at and, and kind of the target is on their back and who gets criticized the most. It's different. There's something, there's, there's something that's really good about leading from the second chair. And maybe, that, maybe in some workplaces and in some situations that's a much harder uh, situation, but I can tell you that when you have a leader who is good and who loves you and who loves the church and who makes good decisions, it's really easy to lead in that way. You know, Pastor Steve, he is, he is a wise leader. He makes good decisions. Uh, he is caring. He's much more compassionate than he gives himself credit for. And you can see he's built this really healthy staff culture and a really healthy church culture. And I find it's just, it's an absolute joy to lead under that kind of authority. See, what we really want, what we thrive under, is good and skillful leadership. But it has to be both. You can't, have, you can't have just one of those things. You can't be um, just skillful but not good. If you have a leader who's, who's a very talented leader, who's good at motivating people and, and influencing people and getting people to move in a particular direction, but they don't have the good of the people in, at their heart, it's like, that's demonic. It's twisted. That's like what a dictatorship looks like. You can't just be good, or you can't just be skillful at leading, but not actually care for the people. That's no good. In the same way, if you have a leader who has a really good heart, but they have no leadership skills whatsoever, you know, they can't lead people out of a paper bag, that's not, you don't want that either. You need both. You need leaders who are both good and skillful. And I'm telling you this because I think that that's the picture that David is painting. We want to know what life with God is like. If, if we're going to trust him with our lives, if he's going to be the guide that we put our faith in, that we're, we're going to do this life thing, but we're going to have a leader, we want to know that that leader is both good and skillful. And David makes that point. He says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think he's saying that God's leadership is like that. It's both good and skillful. So I want to take a few minutes and talk about each of those aspects of his leadership. Let's, let's talk about the first one. His leadership is good. He guides me in paths of righteousness. When, when David talks about this, he's using this metaphor of a sheep with a shepherd. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. That's like, that's a picture of what it looks like to really take care of sheep well. If you're a sheep, that's where you want to be. You want to be in those green pastures. You want to be beside those quiet waters. You want somebody who cares about you like that. This shepherd is guiding the sheep in right paths, in paths of righteousness. How would you know if you have a leader who's guiding you in, in right paths? I think the best way is to look at the leader to look at their life. Jesus makes this point. He says in Luke chapter 6, he says, uh, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. He's saying, it matters who you follow because whoever you follow, that's what you're going to become like. Uh, another 
preacher once said it like this, we, we become what we worship. Whatever, we, whatever we're allowing to influence us, that's, how, that's what we're becoming. So the question then is this, what is God like? That's probably way too big of a question to be tackled in a message, um, even a message series. I mean, that's like a whole life thing. What is God like? But a couple, a quick answer to that, one that the Bible often gives. What is God like? It's in Psalm 103, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. That's what he's like. He's abounding in love. Another way you can answer that question, what is God like? You could just say, look at Jesus, because Jesus is God. I'm surprised by how many people don't know that, but it's true. Jesus is God. That's what Christians, that's what we believe, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so if we want to know what God is like, all we have to do is look at Jesus. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, um, the Son is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his being. So what is Jesus like? Well, Jesus died on the cross, and he spent his, his remaining time, his time on the cross, he spent his last breaths forgiving his enemies. He's forgiving. We look at him, and crowds followed him, and he had compassion on the crowds. He saw people who were sick, and he healed them. He's compassionate. We look at his miracles, and we know he is powerful. We see he, he was wise. He knew when his enemies were going to trap him, and he avoided their traps. He knew what to do and what to say in any given situation. We know he's available. He made himself available to tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. That's what he's like. And it's important for you to understand that because if you want to become something different, if you want to become selfish and greedy and arrogant, you probably don't want to follow Jesus because that's not where he's going. You look at what he is and that's where he's going to take you. Do you get what I'm saying? That's where he goes. He takes us to good places. One of, um, one of the things that has, uh, it keeps coming up for me as I have been thinking about this psalm and meditating. I, one of the reasons why we're doing this series is that uh, God's, been putting this psalm on my heart for probably the last year. I wake up in the morning and, and say it to myself, recite it, think about it, meditate on it. And um, as I do, one thing I've noticed is that I've seen echoes of this verse um, all through the scripture, that God's telling us again and again that he is going to lead us in good ways. Uh, one example is Psalm 32, where it says, um, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I love that way. I love that verse. I love that way of putting it. That he will instruct me and teach me. That he'll counsel me with his loving eye on me. That just, that gives me such comfort and peace because I know that I need it. I'm not the person that I want to be yet. I'm not the person I'm going to be yet either because he's teaching me and he keeps doing that and he does it with such grace. He does it with a loving eye on me, not with a critical eye and I need that. Especially learning things, you have to learn things like humility. Those can be painful lessons. 
or how to die to yourself or you know, how, to, how to listen to him and, and follow him and join him in what he's doing. It's so cool that God continues to teach me this stuff. I used to think uh, back when, uh, when I was just starting seminary, like I figured I'd learn everything that I need to know to be a pastor in seminary as I was trained to be a pastor. And when I got out, I realized I don't know anything. <laughs> like, there's so much I need to know. But he continues to teach me. He's so good like that. Um, a couple weeks ago, my family was up at family camp at Inspiration Point, and my wife and I, we were having a conversation with some friends and one of the counselors there. And we were talking about this, about how God teaches us and guides us. And she's, like this counselor, she was in her early 20s, and she was saying, well, you know, how have you seen that in your lives? And so we told her like all kinds of different stories about God guiding us and leading us and how good his leadership is. Uh, one, just one of the stories was, uh, we talked about how he led us to a friendship. Um, actually, with the couple we were talking about and involved the camp we were at. Uh, probably 12, 13 years ago, we were living in St. Louis Park and my daughter Abby was four at the time and she was in a dance class. And my wife Lisa went to the last, last dance class. Usually I took took her, but Lisa went to that one, and she sat down next to this woman named Helen, and they just uh, started a conversation and got to talking and just really clicked and hit it off, and my wife told her all about this family camp, uh, and, you know, it was one of those things, like, if we were maybe going to stay in St. Louis Park, you would say, hey, let's get together and have the kids do a play date, but we knew we were moving to Ramsey, so, you know, we just kind of dropped it. Well, fast forward a year later, we went to this family camp, at Inspiration Point, and uh, Lisa saw this, this woman and said, Helen, is that you? And it was. It was this woman that she had met at this dance class. And a year later, she actually drugged her, dragged her whole family up to family camp and, and brought them there. And like that moment was just kind of one of those moments like we realized, hey, like this, God really wants this to go. Like he wants this friendship to happen. We need to invest in this. So my wife did. She and Helen got together and said, hey, let's get together. Let's get the kids together for playdates. Even though we live a long ways away, let's put the energy into this. And over the last 10 years, they've been some of our closest friends. And we look back and think, I can't imagine doing life without friends like uh, Tim and Helen, and I've become really good friends with Helen's husband, Tim, and our kids have become good friends, and it's just, it's this incredible gift that we didn't even know, like, that, how much we needed that. We didn't know, know enough to start it way back when, but then he, he did something, and we go, okay, I think you're there. I think you're leading me in this direction. Let's follow you in that way. Probably all of you have stories like that. Maybe of God leading you to a spouse, or to a job, or to a place to live, or uh, just leading you and teaching you how to live in a different way. God is so good like that. His leadership is good. His leadership is also skillful. And that's the second point. David says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I think what that means is that he's staking his reputation on his ability to guide us and teach us. If he doesn't lead us well, he looks bad. Right? He does this really well. 
Let me read you some of the ways that people responded to Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. In Matthew 7, 28, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Mark 1, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Mark eleven twenty eight. the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Luke 4, 32, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. You, you can see again and again, people were amazed at his teaching. He, he had power when he taught. He was skillful at this. I mean, you, you can look and see the people's testimonies about this. I think one of the most um, powerful pieces of evidence for Jesus' skill in teaching is who he chose as his disciples. Typically, a rabbi would choose the best and the brightest. Like the top students, they wanted to be their disciples, to be the ones that they would train, because when those really smart top students became rabbis, it would reflect well on the rabbi who trained them. So they wanted, they would pick the best of the best, right? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus picked fishermen and tax collectors, people that had been passed over by other rabbis who, they had other jobs, they were older potentially at the time. He, he picked them and said, I'm going to teach you. He gathered prostitutes and said, come follow me. Those were his disciples. He didn't pick the best of the best. And then he spent three years with them, training them, teaching them, doing life with them. And then Jesus died, and he rose again. And just before he ascended into heaven, he entrusted the message of the good news of the kingdom of God to his disciples, these people he'd been training. And I think about that, and I go, Jesus, were you just crazy? (laughs) These are people like us. These are people like me and you. And he's saying, you're the hope of the world. You're my plan A, and I don't have a plan B. This is how it's going to work. But he wasn't because he was such a good teacher. He knew what he was doing. He had trained them well, and what's more, he knew that he was sending his Holy Spirit to them, just like he does to us, that he would continue to teach them, that he'd continue to, to counsel them with his loving eye on them, just like he does for us. And he does it so well. I'm constantly amazed at how he does that for me. Like, when I'm open the Bible and, and start, to, start to read, and he'll just make connections, things I hadn't seen before. When I just give a little attention, when I just pay, um, pay a little bit of attention, he teaches me. Even when I don't pay attention, he has a way of getting my attention and teaching me. He's just good at it. If you let him, he will teach you well. You don't have to have been a good student. It doesn't matter how you did in the classroom. He can teach anyone. He can teach you. His leadership is good, and his leadership is skillful. And that's what we need to know. Because if we're going to trust him, if we're going to trust him with our lives, if we're going to trust him to follow him, we need to know what kind of a leader he is. And this is what David's saying. This is the picture that David gives. This is David's testimony. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's what life with God is like. Life with God is the overflow. It's the overflowing life. Life with God is life 
under leadership, and that's really good. That's what we long for. That's what we need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you do lead us. And you do lead us well. You guide us in good directions and you do it skillfully. I pray, God, for, um, I pray for faith to trust you where that's been difficult, where it's been challenging for us. I pray, God, that you, that you would give us insights into how good your leadership is, how good your care for us is, how you're able to take us from where we are to where you see us being, where you're calling us to be. God, I thank you that it, it's not all about our ability to, to grow or to get better that we have a leader like you who's able to do that in us. We're grateful for that. We say thank you. Pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. See, uh, before you go, just want to remind you about this little, this little flyer you got. Um, we would love your help. We're reaching out to... Uh, our neighbors here this summer in a, a bunch of different initiatives, and we would love for you to be involved. So don't forget to, to fill this out, check a box, and you can turn it in the baskets as you, as you go. The prayer team is going to be up here to pray for you uh, at the end of the message, so by all means, make use of them and go and get some prayer. Why don't you stand up right now and let me give you a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Say hi to someone. Introduce yourself. Get to know somebody. Have a great week. All right. Thanks for watching. I want to let you know about two things you can do. First, follow us on Vimeo or iTunes so you don't miss a single message. Better yet, join us in person Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11. And second, if you're feeling this ministry and want to help advance the mission of helping people become who God purposed them to be, you can click the link to give. Your generosity brings hope, healing, and radical transformation to people all over the world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.